The scripture reading today is on page 9 of your worship folder, or from Colossians 1, 18-23. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if you remember last week, we talked about this hymn, this poem that is being, um, Paul has inserted here into this letter to the church in Colossae, and, and that in that, what we are seeing is the fullness of Christ representing the fullness of God. And, and last week, we talked about how he is the agent of creation and how that makes us deal with creation, how we need to actually engage in that place and care for it and watch after it. So today we go a little bit deeper into this hymn where we see that he is not just the firstborn of all creation, that he is not just the one who is the sustainer of all of creation, but more than that, he is also the head of the church. That's what it says here right off the bat. He says, and he is also the head of the body, the church of Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. Now that means he's the first resurrection. Now Jesus wasn't the first to be resurrected, but in his resurrection he is showing the defeat of death. Those other resurrections that take place that you read about in the gospel, those are just preludes. Those are just uh, foretastes. Those are just like, um, this is what this is going to look like. Because they're going to die again. But Jesus is not, because we know that Jesus rose from the dead and then he ascended into heaven where he awaits to come again to us. This Bible is not going to stay open, so I'm glad we have it printed in our bulletin. <laughs> but what does that mean for us to know that he's the head of the church? And why would Paul want to put that right there in that place as he's talked about Jesus holding on to all of creation? There, there must be something about his created world, that there needs to be some other agency, some other thing that is active in the creative world today. And so I believe that what Paul is doing here is he's setting us up. He's, he's letting us know that creation is made, that is sustained by Christ, that is held by him, that it, it has its very being because of him. And we should give glory and honor and praise to God for that. But that you and I recognize that this world is not perfect, to say the least. That it's fallen. 
And that there is sin that has come in that has corrupted the way that the world was supposed to be. This place of perfect order, this place of perfect praise. And because that's the case, then Jesus comes in to save it. And we're, we're going to talk more about that here in a second. But not only does he save it, there needs to be some sort of agency, some sort of mechanism, some sort of body that can, can engage in this broken world in order to bring it towards that idea of wholeness. That can be the foreshadow and the foretaste, just like those other resurrections are in the, in the Gospels, so that the world can see that there is something that is coming. There is a renewal and a bringing into creation to be what creation was supposed to be all along. And that's the reason why Paul here says he's also the head of the church. He's introducing us to the very thing that is being called forth in order for us in the world to recognize that God is in control. That God is working and moving and that he's bringing things into wholeness. He says he's the one that is making this happen. And you'll notice that he says, just to clarify for us, that this is done, that creation is made, that he's there in all of creation, sustaining it, but that doesn't give Christ his full supremacy. What gives Christ his full supremacy? It's that he is the head of the church that gives him his full supremacy. It says, and he is the head of the body of the church. He is in the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. And then he goes on to repeat what he had asserted before, that God was pleased to have everything about him, all of his fullness, dwell in him. I want to caution us here just a little bit, because it's dangerous for us to think of Christ and creation, the king of glory, being represented by the church in order for Christ to be seen as supreme in everything. Because our hearts can turn towards a place of thinking that means that the church should have dominion over all the world. Now, in my passport country, this is happening a lot more right now. In case you don't know, my passport says USA on it. Someday I'll have two passports, and I won't be able to use that anymore. It's indicative of which particular country I'm talking about. There's a movement that takes place that says the world is so bad, and systems are so bad, and they're going against God's word, which none of that's inaccurate, that the only way to solve it is if the church has supremacy over the world. Now, there's two problems with that. One is the body of Christ, by God's grace, is still filled with men and women who are sinners. That's a good thing for you and I. That means we're welcomed in because I'm a sinner. Don't know if you are. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. But it's a good thing for us to realize that actually the church is filled with sinners. We are people who tend to move into our heart space believing that we know best especially for ourselves and everyone else. So that's dangerous in that way. It's also dangerous for us to feel that way 
because it is a falsehood that we believe that God is not in control already. See, when a movement says the world's so messed up that we need to, the church needs to set up some dominion over this world in order for us to make sure God's plan happens. We are usurping the authority of God. We are saying that, oh, God had a great plan, but we need to be the ones who make it we need to work in a way that, and the best way to do that is to get everybody under control. But what we see here in Paul, as he's writing this beautiful hymn, is that in fact it's not about that dominion or that power because it's already pre-existent in Christ. That Christ already had supremacy of all things, and it is because he is the head of the church that it shows forth his supremacy. That he already had supremacy in all things, and it is because we recognize him as the one who holds creation together. That we now see his supremacy. And it moves us beyond thinking of Christianity as just a system or a religion or a way to save us here and now, or something that we need to mold in some shape to make sure the world gets back in order. That in fact, Christianity is only about Jesus Christ and recognizing who he is and how he holds all of who God is for us. And because of that, he goes on to tell us that no, it is not the church that needs to have dominion over the world. I already have it. But in fact, it is Christ who is bringing all things into reconciliation. That Christ himself, it says, reconciles to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. What? Making peace through what? His blood shed on the cross. See, the difficulty with us when we decide that the church or individuals need to get the world in order is we don't actually like to do it the way that Christ does it. Christ does it through sacrifice. We buy into what the world says, that power is the way to do it. That if we have enough power, if we have enough people in places of power, if we have enough influence, then the world will change. That in fact, Jesus comes and he says, only through my death and the blood that I shed on the cross can things be reconciled and put into peace. Remember that word peace from a few sermons ago is shalom. The idea that things are being made the way that God intended them to be. Not just peace meaning no conflict, but peace meaning wholeness. Everything being brought back into order. That very thing that good people are wanting to have but are confused by the means because they don't recognize that the means has already taken place, that it is in Christ's work on the cross that enemies become friends, that those who are dead become alive, that those who are far off become near. And he goes on a little bit and he moves from himself and, and through talking about Christ and he wants to remind the church in Colossia who they are. And so for those of you who are in Christ, here, this is who you are. And for those of you who are not yet, who are still trying to figure out, is this the thing? Listen to these words. And I pray that the Holy Spirit, while you're hearing them, 
will move in your life so that you can go, maybe that's what I want to be. Maybe that's who I have been longing to become. He says this, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free of accusation. Let's just stop there. Wouldn't it be great to be free of accusation? You are. And if you continue in your faith, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel this is the gospel that you have heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven he goes on to say that i'm a servant you see he reminds us that we are those who are being brought in to be this very church this very body of christ in order for us to engage in the world in the way of reconciliation in order for us to engage in the world, to bring them in. And hopefully what we'll begin to discover is the more that we get to know and know about Jesus Christ, the more we will understand how true he is of God. And in knowing how true he is of God and what he has done, we will want to live for him and tell others about who this God is. Now, I put a couple of passages to look at the additional readings that kind of digs deeper into this idea of what it means then for us to be those who are reconciled. Those of us who have been called by God, who are being led by Jesus, who's the head of us, his body, gathered together under his name, placed within him, how we're supposed to live. And that's Ephesians uh, 1, 15 through 23, Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, and, and 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. So if you go back and you end up reading those passages, what you'll see is this place where God has revealed himself in Christ. He has given him all sorts of power. It tells us in Ephesians 1, starting in verse 16, that power is this, or um, Verse 17, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenlies, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and that in every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but the age to come, that God has placed all things under his feet and what appointed him as the head over everything for the church, which is his body. Check this. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Now jump to chapter 4 and he says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, joined together, held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up what? in love. As every part does its work. That see, we, being called by Christ who is the head, get gathered in. And so if you're here today and you are following after Christ, know that you're gathered in. And if you're not yet there, hear this call to you to be more than what you even could imagine you are. We all long to be something, part of something bigger, whether we create it or not. We want to be part of something that makes impacts that's how we're created and designed. And what Paul is telling us over and over and over again is the person that you need to be centered in, 
The one that you find your most identity in is the one who will cause you to be a person of impact. And not for your own glory, but to bring glory to God and who he is. And we do that by walking in love. Not by what we know, not by the number of people we have in power, but through love. N.T. Wright in this commentary on this passage says this. For members of the new covenant community or the church, that means ordering their lives according to the teachings, symbols, story, mission, and purpose of their sovereign Lord, Jesus. It means summoning any unbelieving world to faith and repentance in the one who commands their obedience and achieves their salvation. So we receive and we proclaim. And then it says this, it means declaring to agents of evil and structures of injustice that people and their love of power will always succumb to the power of God's love in Christ the Messiah. Thus, the body of Christ can engage those structures and institutions that create war and poverty and injustice. We can step into those places and call what is wrong, wrong, and what is right, right, what is good, good, what is evil, evil, and more than that, work against those things that perpetuate evil and injustice in our world. Because we know that Christ the Messiah, who holds all of creation together, but more than that is the head of his body, the thing that he is called to be those in the world today for him, will bring judgment at the end of this world and the end of this age. So until that time, we work against it as a foreshadowing and a foretaste of what God is and will continue to do. We become advocates. We move into places that seem difficult for us. We love with abandon. We provide mercy where there is mercy needed. We provide resources where there is resources needed. Paul actually put it this way as he talks to the church in Corinth. He's talking about what God has done, and he says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knows no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. In this amazing hymn, we see this unfolding of the grandeur and beauty and majesty and the wholeness of who God is. And that is found completely in Christ. And in the very middle of it, we discover that we, in fact, are Christ's body in this world today. And so as we begin to see who Christ is and how he reveals God, we ourselves become those who are ambassadors for that very God to bring God's love and mercy 
and justice to the world. Calling out to those who are far away, just as Jesus did, proclaiming peace to them so that they can be brought in to be part of this body as well. And even more than that, sometimes reminding our own selves and our own hearts not to short-circuit the work that God is doing, not to look around us with despair, but in fact to see that there is a battle that is going on and that we as the body of Christ are called to be those who enter into that battle, not as warriors, but as ambassadors of the love of God. So that we are representatives of his kingdom and his holy body to say this is what life was created to be. And so what does that look like for you? What does that look like for me? Uh, maybe it helps you wrestle with being in a place of employment that your values might just not actually line up with each. That you might be thinking to yourself, I just, I don't line up with the values of my place of employment. Does that mean I need to leave because I need to make an ethical stand? Well, on one side, that, that's a matter of conscience. That's a place where you have to wrestle with God and those who are close to you and near to you who can speak into your life and talk through those things. But can I also say that there comes a time for us to work within those structures, within those places, not necessarily to change the ideology, but to love the people who are present within that ideology. Not with the idea that maybe if I love them hard enough, they'll change their minds. But we love them because God loves them. And by showing them that sacrificial, steadfast, always pursuing them, that they might catch a glimpse that they've put their faith in something that will fail them. Maybe it's within your family structure that you live in. That there is someone who is difficult to live with. And if you don't have that person, it might be you. And it's in that place that you go, if I could just change their mind, if I could just change their habits, if I could just change the way. No, what you do is you walk in reconciliation and love towards them. And even when they're unresponsive, and even when they leave, because that might be the safest thing for you, actually. You pursue Holy Spirit to help you love from a distance. But don't discount their person and who they are. Because that's the way of the world and injustice. And the way of the cross and the Christ who reconciles is to pursue all to the ends of the earth. To the point of giving himself completely on the cross.
So it's in this beautiful hymn that we don't just learn about Jesus. We learn about ourselves. We learn about what we should be through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we can't do it on our own. As much as we might think we can. Or you might be freely admitting you can. Which is good. That the Holy Spirit is what walks with us, moves us, and empowers us because of the work that Christ has done for us. And so then we become those who bear the image of God most purely. Let me pray for us. God, in these words, if there are anything from you, let them burn up and go away. But if there's something from you today that is within these words, let them take hold of our hearts, dig deep within them, and bring you glory and honor and praise. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Let's now stand up and sing.